and welcome to Sutra Side Talk, episode 76. I'm your host, Kamran Shushtar, and with me is... James Seelig. Today is Sunday, December 6th, and it is 9.15pm. We're recording right before the new week starts because we had a fun deadline for this special episode. We needed to play as much as we could of Ghost of Tsushima uh, Legends so we could talk about it for this special about the show glow on netflix and i am so excited to get started into it today guys aren't you james dude that show's so good i actually just started i just really really fast i'm not going to talk about it too much it's just like <laughs> i started watching it today while i've been uh moving some stuff around and dude that show is hilarious i, I love this show is amazing <laughs> i'm only like six or seven i think it's like six episodes into the first season but i'm really enjoying it uh i i just finished watching community uh so i was like oh you know like uh allison brew was really good in it and i saw she was in this too and i just started watching it and i'm like kind of seeing certain uh like the annie like ah i kept waiting for her like to do that and stuff <laughs> throughout the whole show and i'm just like oh this is weird I'm, it's like the first time singer not as that character so it's just slightly different but it's it's i don't know it's just it's, it's hilarious. her but it's not her it's like she's acting or something I don't understand. Yeah. yeah. But no, nah, I'm uh I'm actually about to have my room painted soon, so I have to move everything out right now. And I've been going through and moving out like I've moved out every book and comic and graphic novel, movie, and now I'm moving out all the games and shit. I have a lot of shit, guys. And I still have to move out like all this other stuff. I have to dismantle every single shelf and move like entire cupboards and things like that. So it's gonna be a uh, really fun just to prepare for that i think i got like three days left but this is like the weekend and i'll pretty much be doing the rest after work so it's just gonna be a fun uh fun moving time but james do you know what happens after that after you you get your room painted i guess assume you put everything back that is correct i do put almost everything not really uh, i'm gonna put some things oh, back right. yeah yeah no, i'm going through what i call the final purge that is correct the final purge guys i'm going to go through every single thing i can and throw out as much as i can and also sell as much as i can because i also would like to at least make some side dough because i could use the money but Fair point uh yeah it's gonna be uh going through a lot too and you know there's stuff that's been in here for way too long um james do you know my king arthur poster is still up which for those that don't know the movie king arthur Stalling Colin Farrell as King Arthur is still <laughs> is still up in here. So that's Did you laugh about that? But I still have a Final Fantasy VIII poster on my wall. Oh, Jesus. I will say, uh, most of the shit I'm taking down for sure. But uh, I may put it back up or just get it framed. Uh, my Alan Lee Lord of the Rings poster, which is a very special one because I got it when I met Alan Lee. So mm. it's very like that's a timeless thing. My Resistance Three Ali Moss poster uh, that I got at Insomniac Games. I'm keeping for sure. I actually need to get those frames. But I like when I got them. I, I didn't know anything about frames back then, so they've just been hung up. And I'm like, uh, yeah, these need better care. But I have a shit ton of posters that I need to uh, sort through and figure out which ones I want to put up now and re- like kind of re-spruce something for so long and then uh get rid of a shit ton more there's a lot i gotta get rid of it's gonna be fun james real fun anywho this is sutra side tech this is a 
gaming TV show movie show, uh, podcast where we pretty much talk about all the gaming movie TV show news and usually talk about specific pieces that we can really go in depth on as well as uh, what we watch and what we play. But this episode is the Ghost of Tsushima special uh, to kick off December and finish off 2020. Uh, we're only going to be talking about Ghost of Tsushima here, so there's not going to be any news, anything else. It's just going to be this, and we'll see uh, really how far into it we can get. The way we're going to go is we're going to talk first about the characters, and then the story, uh, then art, sound, and the world, followed by the combat gameplay, and then we're going to finish off with Legends, which I will say we only got through... Uh, the story and the survival, or halfway through, we did like half of the uh, maps for survival, but there is still uh, the raid, which we could not get to. We tried leveling up as fast as we could, but we did not make the cut for that. Yeah. So turned out there was like a gear cap for everything at silver level, which is what we got to. So then we tried to do gold level, but that's like way hard. And I think we got a little bit... Uh, tied up and trying to do like the story missions in order and stuff when we probably would have gotten more stuff if we just done like quick play survival but yeah we'll get into that later yeah it's a <laughs> i'm glad you figured that out after we after we stopped playing. yeah i was like after we uh you left earlier i was like you know what i don't i could do like one more round just to see if it's like hard or whatever and it like i mean it was but it wasn't undoable, and I like almost immediately got up to like the raid uh, level. I'm like five points off now. So kind of wish we had done that first. Oh well. Yeah, but we'll we'll definitely finish off with Legends talk. But uh, I guess with that said, we'll jump right into it. I don't think we'll see. I don't think it's gonna be as long as a normal episode. Uh, I think it'll be maybe an hour or something. I don't think it'll be an hour and a half, but. That's what we always say when we say we don't think it's me an hour and a half. And then we look, yeah. and it's like, it is two hours later. But the last special we did, at least on a specific game, was The Last of Us Part 2. And there were three of us. And that was, I think, actually probably over two hours. But uh, this time it's just two of us. So we'll see how it goes. Plus, I don't think it's as nearly as deep as The Last of Us Part 2 as well. And... Yeah, I think there's we'll a lot of mixed feelings to sort through in for uh, The Last of Us Part 2. Yeah, with that said, James, you ready to get, get right into it? Oh, absolutely. I've been waiting for this for so long. I know, right? Like, I mean, our, our original plan was to talk about this when, it, when the game first came out. We finished it. And then right before we were about to do that episode, they, they were like, oh, by the way, free multiplayer. We were they like, oh. hella did. They literally <laughs> announced Legends right before we were gonna we were gonna record two episodes that week. That was literally yeah. oh my god, that was and hilarious. Then we were like, you know what? Why don't we just hold off till we actually do the multiplayer? And then yeah, that's where we are now. <laughs> yeah. So without further ado, let's jump into the game that is Ghost of Tsushima. And like I said, we're going to start off here with characters and we'll pretty much go through like kind of the most important characters in the very beginning. So with without saying, obviously, the main character is Kenji. Um, he is by far the most important character because you need to buy sake from somebody. Dude, I love that guy. He actually might be one of my favorite uh, side characters for sure. No, yeah. Just because I, th I thought his delivery of, of his lines were so funny. Yeah. But of course, we're going to start off with the leading man, Jin Sakai. Yeah. 
of Clan Sakai and pretty much the man who turned down his dynasty and did not continue where his father left off. Yeah. Which Yeah. Which was, which was honestly I really loved that armor. It was his armor from his dad was pretty Dude, cool. I really liked all the armor uh like cho- almost all the armor choices in this game. I thought like customizing your character was so fun to do. But yeah. I guess like I don't know. It's hard to pin down Jin's character specifically because I don't know if they did this intentionally, but he's somewhat of a blank slate. So you can kind of impose yourself in his uh, feet. I mean, this the story is definitely Jin's story, but he wasn't necessarily the most interesting or memorable character in the game for me. I just thought like the story around him was really, really cool. Oh, yeah. And before we go really into his character james i just want to know so for me i played the game in japanese so uh jin was voiced by uh kazuya nakai uh, who is his japanese voice actor uh whereas most people i'm sure maybe know him voiced by adizuki suji who was his english voice actor so i actually never ever heard his english voice because i just I wanted to hear, I wanted to like actually like listen to him, everyone talking Japanese and whatnot, but uh, yeah, just I want to do that, that for my second playthrough, but for my first one, I played it in full color with uh, English voice, uh, voice actors. Okay. So you did English. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So Jin Sakai, uh, we're, we won't go through like the whole, like, this is the character and this is what their story yeah, is because it's... obviously you played the game if you did that. Well, that and we're already going to get, we're going to talk about the story on its own later. So I, it's hard for me to talk about what I like about Jin without just going into the story. Cause there were a bunch of story beats that I want to talk about later that I just, just really hit hard for me that I really liked. I guess just as a protagonist, did you feel he had a lot of depth and st- like really just a, an actual character behind him or more so just a, yeah, like I, a vision for the audience playing as him instead? So I guess one thing that I do appreciate about his character is that something that I like to see in all characters is personal growth. And Jin struggles really hard to come to terms with like all of the lessons that he's been taught as a samurai by his uncle and his father when he was really young. They don't really matter against the Mongols. So if he wants to save his people, if he wants to stay alive, you know, he's going to have to forego all of the things that he knows about, like, just being an honorable person. And that's really, really hard for him. So it's cool to see him go down that path, like, one step at a time. And then, I guess, later on, when you uh, his uncle sees what he's doing, and he has that reality check of, like, how far he's gone. Like, I, it's moments like that that I, I think Jin's character really comes through. And I I think it's cool to see that he's so fluid of a character, I guess, that he he's willing to adapt to change if he needs to, even if it's something that he doesn't want to do. Because I guess for him, it's it's more about protecting his people no matter what than, you know, following the rules no matter what. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that, especially just because they do really make you think about the code here and especially especially since this is a sucker punch game these Mm -hmm. are the guys that made infamous and make you decide to be good or evil like 
going through is like good or evil coal. And in this one, it's not nearly as kind of, I guess, deep as that because you're not choosing really like in terms of story, you're not choosing. You're pretty much becoming a ghost, uh, which uh, from at least the Japanese culture back then would be uh, heinous. It would be like just completely dishonorable. You're not facing your enemy at front. You're using any tactic available to you, whether it's sneaking up or poison or anything like that to defeat your enemy, which is completely against everything they yeah. stand for and believed in pretty much their entire lives and through their generations. There there was one moment in the game that like the entire time I was like, his uncle is stupid. Like, why would why is he fighting so hard to follow everything by the book when he should have seen from the first battle that like the the rule book isn't going to work for this one. Uh, and But there was one scene where he's, you know, trying to talk some sense into Jin, saying, like, you can't do things like this. And he explains why. is like, if you start, uh, you know, killing people by stabbing them in the back, if you start poisoning people so they never see you come, like, if you, if you never give someone a chance to defend themselves what's to stop our own people from fearing us that we'll do the same to them? Like at the very least, if we follow the, the samurai's code, you at least give people some peace of mind that they're the, the law will not come for them. Or if the law comes for them, they'll see it coming and they, it won't be like, they'll just be killed in their sleep. And that made sense to me. It's like, Oh, so yeah, like what's the point of winning if you, now your people think you, that you're a monster and they're afraid of you? Yeah, so, and I, I do yeah. understand that too. Like that's a that's the best part. Of it. Like they, even though you don't choose to do these things, even though it's like I guess as as Jin playing as Jin, you could choose to approach the combat up front as yeah. a samurai there's or only... stealthily like a ghost like it, it, you can choose that but it doesn't there's... affect the story too much yeah there's only a few moments in the story where they straight up make you do something specific other, yeah. other than those few moments you can tackle pretty much any encounter in the game any way you want which is really fun yeah and i feel like we can go more into um i guess the honor versus dishonor more so either in the story like talking about the story itself or when we get to the next character but uh at least for Jin, still like um i like that you get to at least learn a lot about him through his interactions with other characters like you really Mm. see how he is at least in the beginning and you watch how his character changes with his interactions with others like you know when he first meets yuna he is very against everything she says. And then over time, you see He's his... calling her, like, thief and stuff like that. Yeah, you over like over time, you see him grow with each uh, character that he interacts with, interacts with, whether it is Yuna, Masako, Norio, or Sensei... Uh, uh, Ishikawa. It, yeah, Ishikawa. And with them all, like, you really watch... Jin act one Jin versus act three Jin with each of those characters. It's kind of like honestly completely different Mm -hmm. and it's really getting to watch him grow and making him honestly guys, he he's like an ideal. He's everything that an assassin's creed protagonist should be. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) 
<laughs> like, I, I, I feel like he did two things amazingly. He felt like Batman and he felt like an assassin. It was like, oh, it's Batman and Assassin's Creed, but as a samurai who's becoming a ninja, basically. And you're just like, huh, that's, these are the guys, th these are the infamous guys? They did this? Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> like, what the fuck? This is amazing. I see why they didn't work on Spider-Man. They were doing this instead. This is, I, I understand now. It all makes sense. I'm all for this. And yeah, watching his interaction with his uncle, who's basically like his father, like he really goes from someone just trying to make, I guess, I guess what would you say? It's like the classic, um, make other people appreciate or make other people like you. You want to make them proud to, I'm doing this not for myself, but it's what I believe in more so than what I, what you tell me to believe in. Yeah. And that sort of him gaining that independence, especially like. There's definitely a lot of that. Like he's, he definitely spends a lot of the game trying to keep his uncle proud of him. Cause he's like the first third of the game is about you trying to save his uncle. And cause I don't know. It struck me as strange that he would refer to his own uncle as like Lord Sakai or whatever, right? Uh, Lord Shimura. L Lord Shimura. That's what it was. Right, right. And uh, I don't know. It seemed very formal to me that he was treating his own family with the respect of like the political office that they uh, held, I guess is the word I'm looking for. So... Where am I getting with this? Oh no, I'm losing my thought. Oh no, oh, I hope when that happens and it's happening on re on record. <laughs> we hate you now, James. Oh, do you man. want to tap in? Will you figure it out? Yeah, you can. You can go on. Maybe it'll come okay. back. To me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another thing I really liked about how you learn about Jin is the flashbacks. You get a lot of flashbacks with him, uh, or I guess not a lot necessarily, but you get flashbacks of like how he kind of not necessarily went to shame but the way he sees his yeah. father die and yeah because like, like his, his his uncle says like oh your your father died a warrior's death it's honorable but Jin saw him in his last moments and he was like begging for help yeah he's like Jin help me and Jin yeah. didn't he didn't obviously help him and he's just hiding and he's just like oh oh shit so well, you watch kid what was he gonna do yeah so you literally and it's crazy too because you see the father in the armor and stuff and he looks menacing but he's just like on the ground just like oh you did and i think i think that was a very early lesson to Jin that you know even the noble samurai often or not even often sometimes lose their way when they become scared or when things like don't go well for them like his father he in his last moments instead of being honorable and accepting his defeat he was just like oh my god please help me someone yeah and Which, it's also you know, any normal person would do that yeah and it's also i guess you could say it's the way they per, like the japanese nobility of the time of feudal japan like they very much put themselves up in almost like a divine nobility over mm -hmm. the regular people and he has that stance like with when he meets yuna and uh over time he realizes like we're not above them all and all that stuff which is also as you kind of go through the story the shogun who's like the ruler of all japan and the man in charge of lord shimura and anyone else in japan in general 
hears what Jin is doing and finds out like, oh, these people are gaining ideas and <laughs> like thinking yeah. on their own. And they're like, no, 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 we can't have that. So like you see that it's like, oh, if, if they bleed, we can kill them. It's like that's starting to come together. It's like every classic European uh, revolution. It's like that kind of fear. Where it's like, hey, wait a minute, you're just like the rest of us. You just act cool because you sit in the nice chair and we don't. And uh, it's it was really cool kind of watching that play out as well. And through like the flashbacks too between like, it's mainly between like Jin and Shimura. And you see how they react to each other and how after his father dies, Shimura is the one that kind of teaches him all of the all of the ideals that he has starting off is all from Shimura. Like he's the one that shaped him into the man he is today until the Mongolian invasion shapes him into whatever he needs to be for his people. Yeah. I think that was the point I was trying to make earlier was it it was interesting seeing Jin go from trying to do everything right to make his uncle proud of him. And like his uncle was saying, you know, I, I wrote to the Shogun, if we win this Mongol invasion, if we survive, I'll, I'll make you my son and you'll be the new Lord Shimura or whatever. And Jin has to decide whether or not that's the most important thing to him or if he's going to literally give that up to just make sure that everyone stays safe. Yeah, because he can kill Kotal Khan. And it's uh, it's also like the whole it is the whole like, do you choose uh, to be divine like your like your uh, uncle and stuff like that. Do you? And the choice is really it's weird because it's like his uncle is giving him the choice of, hey, this do this for yourself, whereas the other choice is hey, do this for your people. And you even though like the shogun and like all the nobility are protecting their people and stuff from the Mongolians, they're more so protecting their honor and themselves in a way. It's like their way of life no matter what, over those that actually live that life. Yeah, wasn't one of the parts of the story, like, as part of being adopted as the new uh, lord or whatever, uh, he had to arrest Yuna or something? I think so, yeah. And it's like... Well, no, the the way he was doing it as part of the deal was... Because he knows that Jin's been doing the questionable things, and it's going to get out either way, so he's saying, pin it on Yuna... Someone has right. to take the fall, so you That's make it, it her. Yeah, so he's like, you know, it's like for another thing of self gain, and it's like, oh, your like, nobility is, is kind of selfish. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it shows like the 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 uh, hidden greed behind it all and everything else. Yeah, so I guess the it his story comes down to like, is honor really the only thing that matters? Yeah, and I guess the last thing really too, but but with Jin himself is the i guess the the hot springs what about him <laughs> uh he, it, it's a you get to learn kind of his thoughts on everyone whenever uh, you yeah. choose and he talks about like how he feels about his uncle he feels about yuna how he feels about like each different character for the most part how he th- thought about his father how he wants to get laid like yeah. <laughs> it's all the other stuff and because honestly you never really hear that like it's in the hot spring that one time is where jin actually shows like some form of romance where he's like oh, I miss having a woman, blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, oh, yeah, that's right. Because you just know you probably want to get laid too, bro. I get that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and overall, I, I really 
liked him as a character because I liked him the way he was before. Because, you know, the the average person usually really, you know, you think, oh, I freaking love samurai. I love the way of the samurai. Like, all that kind of stuff. It's always so... It's one of the more interesting cultures of the world and specific eras of the world is, like, the period of the samurai and things like that. So the fact that he starts off as everything you love, but then you see that there's more about it and that there's more into it, that somehow you get convinced and turned in as well to you're like, yeah, I just want to fucking kill dudes from the shadows. It's all that matters. And it's like, do you still want to be a samurai? Well, yeah, black do both kind of, so that's kind of great. <laughs> but yeah, overall, I'd say he's a great character. Not the best character of games this year, just because the game that came out before them kind of, you know, it's kind of hard to beat when it comes to Last of Us, but yeah. uh, honestly, I would say he's one of the more interesting protagonists in the Sony family of, uh, in the, like, basically like the PlayStation family of characters. Like, I would say, James, honestly, next to like Joel Elliam, kind of just, Last of Us can only have one character. They're not going to give us like five, it'd be like, oh yeah, all five. Uh, the top five are just Last of Us characters. <laughs> That's cheating. <laughs> so I'll say like the Ellie Joel, and then you have like the the Drake family, uh, basically like Nathan Drake and them. Uh, I think honestly, Jin is probably like top five, if not maybe my number three right now. Because... I can't believe you're leaving Kratos off there, but okay. James Kratos is great, but oh, fuck, I just. Uh, that's you know that's actually really hard that is actually hard it's like kratos versus Jin, and i don't know i, I could i could say at least because like kratos has been around all right he's in top five for sure they're like top five i don't know who the fifth one would be i kind of want to say Aloy, but also she's kind of like kind of boring from um uh like she was more interesting in frozen wilds than she was in the initial game just because of the like i said that whole complaint i had about the dialogue and shit like mm. that was just like the undoing of it but otherwise she was a cool character uh but yeah Jin just Jin was just interesting but okay all right next up was the character lord shimura which uh i think we'll probably talk about all these other characters less than Jin, just because he also oh, yeah. revolves around the main I mean, story he was the main character yeah yeah and i also wanted to save some of the stuff for Jin in lord shimura's stuff whereas like you know lord shimura is this man who took Jin in and did all, all this stuff he was like his uncle and became his father in a way but yeah, Lord Shimura lives in the past. And I guess you could say like, James, like you said, he was stupid for like his choices that well, he made. His thing is literally like honor, no matter what, like Jin, Jin's like, why, why would we follow the rules of like, you know, being honorable if it's just going to absolutely leave us all dead? And Lord Shimura would answer probably, well, because it would be an honorable death. Yeah, I guess. The reason I understand that is because the way I see it, you, you see Shimura's family's pretty much all gone. Jin's mm -hmm. all he has left, but also yeah. besides Jin, Shimura's way of life is all he has left. His code, his honor, like that's what all that's all he's got to his name at this point. Because he basically he has, lives to serve his people as yeah. the leader of Tsushima. And it's, it's more so not about even what he thinks. It's like he pretty much goes by the rule book and he's like, I will do what's best to, for my people that I can possibly do that the rule book allows me to do. Uh, if it says to yeah. do this, then I got to do this. Otherwise, like, that's it. And 
you know, he's the one that has to choose between, whereas Jin is choosing between Shimura and his people, kind of. Uh, Shimura is choosing between Jin and his own honor. And Shimura chooses his own honor at the end every single time. Uh, especially to the point where, like, literally they fight to the death. Yeah, oh, and that was such an emotional scene. That was, dude, that was, oh my god, that's why I literally was like, oh god, is this game of the year? I don't, I don't know anymore, man. Like, <laughs> I'm hurting inside. Uh, Shimura, like, there's not too much else to really say about him besides, like, he's literally the man that he he symbolizes Jin's past. He symbolizes everything his culture currently stands for and what works and what doesn't, especially what doesn't work. But you see, like, the reasons why he thinks that, where it's like, if we lose our, we're so majestic, if we lose our way, we'll lose that thing that makes makes us who we are. And it's like, you know, yeah, we did everything to survive, but, it, like, was it worth it? Yeah, and, like I brought up earlier. If, yeah. If we survived, but now our people literally do not trust us, that's a problem. Yeah, and... Uh, I guess we should say it now. James, did you kill or no. save Shimura? I spared him. You spared him? Because even though I knew like he would have wanted me to kill him in battle, because technically that's like dishonoring him is leaving him alive, I figured that that would be what Jin would do. It, like The whole point of the game was like, learning to give up like the old ways and do what feels right or whatever not just you know what the rules say is right or whatever so it it wouldn't make any sense that Jin would kill his own uncle just because that would be giving his uncle an honorable death he would want his uncle alive because you know even if his uncle hates him at least his uncle's alive yeah and do you feel, do you feel, do you regret that? Or are you happy with the choice you no. made? No, I think it's, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to do like a ghost two and have, and actually cover this, but I think it would be interesting to see uh, Lord Shimura come back and maybe warm up to uh, Jin in some ways uh, going against like the code of honor, but. Honestly, the like we were just saying, his whole life is built around that code of honor. So, I, I it's also probably really unlikely that he would ever actually have that moment where he's like, you know what, Jin, you are right. Yeah, and I did watch the ending for that. I wanted to see what it was like because he's basically like, yeah, I'm because you know Shmurda's like, why, why don't you like kill me, like honor me? And Jin's like, you already sit out on of honor, so you know, watch what you say, old man. Say that, <laughs> Just yeah, walks yeah. away. But James, I killed really. Shimura. I killed him. I, which I heard uh. most people spared him, and I felt I was so. Do, you okay? I'm gonna be honest. I couldn't make up my mind so badly. I had to pause the game and Dude, look it too. up, and I was like <laughs> looking at all these different things, and I ended up reading a whole debate about what was right and wrong and i'm like i don't know <laughs> and the end all be all for me was i literally just went it's what he wants and even though yeah. it goes against everything i stand for i gotta think about him too even though it's like not good for me i'll take the burden even though he should still be alive but also 
what will be left of him if I leave him alive. Yeah, that was what was hardest for me. It was like the djinn that I know wouldn't kill him. Yeah. But me as a person, I would probably be more inclined to do what he wants. So, yeah, that's why I was like, oh, do I want to do what Jin would do or do I want to do what, like, Ishikura, uh, Ishimura, wait, shit, what was his name again? Shimura. Lord Shimura. Huh, weird. Uh, like, would I do what he, should I do what he wants? Like, yeah. that was a really hard decision. And I, I think for me, also, this is why it was different for me than you, dude. Like, when he kills his uncle... He does the most, like, tragic scream holding his uncle. He's like, it's like, that's what I was like, oh my, I can't, I can't. It was so, dude, it was hard. It was hard. I was just like, damn, dude. Because this was really, it's like they took all of the infamous, like, when you're playing Infamous 1 and 2 and you're choosing things. And like the end of 2, it's like, if you're bad, you kill Zeke. And you're like, I don't want to do this. But like, in this... They just go, no, you're not going to choose. And at the end, they go, okay, now you can choose. And you're just like, oh, uh, you didn't give me a chance to work into it, man. You just kind of forced I wasn't it. ready. Yeah, because you don't have the whole game to kind of decide through it. Instead, it's just all the way at the end. And you're like, oh, I have to make decisions. You didn't give me decisions to make. So it was, yeah, it was just insane. Um, I don't know if I regret it or not. Part of me, honestly, part of me feels like I should have spared him. And I, I always look back now, James. If I play New Game Plus, I'll probably I'll leave him alive for sure, just to have that mm. little difference. But it was just, uh, yeah, it was it was tragic, man. It was incredibly tragic doing that. But it was all about the honor. It was all the honor at the end of the day. Uh, all right, that was Lord Shimmer. Next up, uh, honestly, probably besides Jin, my favorite character, Yuna. I liked her a lot. She was interesting. She was such a besides being just a great foil to Jin, is she really is the she is the one that molds him because she doesn't come from anything she is a you know just a thief that uh, had to do whatever she needed to to survive and wants yeah. to just like keep herself and her brother safe and the way she does everything at least when she talks to Jin, at first it's also for her own benefit she's like i just want my brother to uh survive and stuff like that but eventually dude like you see her go like you know for the people and all this stuff and she's the one that really because she is the she is the average citizen she's the one that really makes Jin realize that he's been more blind to what's been going on she basically is the one that opens his eyes to like being stealthy and stabbing someone in the back may not be honorable but it's really effective yeah and it's like hey do you want to you're injured do you want to survive uh in the very beginning like that's how it works to like do you want to beat these people do you want to save our people and drive them from our land and it's like if you want to be a samurai you're more welcome to you're just gonna die but if you do (laughs) stick with me kid and you'll live and that's the thing it's like Jin literally does uh not to go back to Jin uh, again but like he does go fight Kotal Khan again in the very beginning of the game after the the beach battle and he gets literally almost killed. Yeah, he goes in and, as and a samurai and just like fucking... And, yeah, and that's where Yuna finds him and that's uh, why she's basically like, listen, you tried doing a frontal assault on Kotal Khan again. Didn't work. Maybe try my way this time. 
Yeah, and I think her whole, like, arc of, like, really just wanting her family to be safe, and then once she loses her family, and she has nothing left to really live for. Dude, yeah, when that scene where Taka dies was so tragic, and then when she finds out that he died, it was even more sad. Like, she literally is like, everything that I've done this entire to- uh, invasion has been to make sure that me and my brother are safe and now he's gone. What, what do I even do? Yeah. And Jin is pretty much just like vengeance. And <laughs> she's like, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And make Kotal Khan pay. They, okay. So this is my little question and I don't want to dwell on it. Cause you know, it's just whatever, but were, did you feel like there was a romance at all between Jin and Yuna? Oh yeah, a little bit for sure. Okay, I was I, I felt it, that it, especially at the end, like it seemed like there was something, but they never really went into it too much. Like they didn't want that yeah. to be an overarching part of the story. It could have just been a like fellow warriors, like brothership kind of deal, but it definitely felt like there was a little bit more to it than that. Yeah, especially towards the end. If we can, we can leave it up to the people and you can decide using your deviant art powers to either make yeah. really weird art or fan fiction. You do what you need to to survive as well. And you choose honor or or the people in the relationship between Jin and Yuna. <laughs> I couldn't say that with the straight face, James. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, so Yuna overall, probably one of my more favorite characters just because she was she felt the most like real where it was like i oh, literally yeah. do this because i just want to live i just want to get the fuck out of here i want to get to the mainland like there's no there's no point to like i just do what i need to so i can eat and so my brother can eat and so my brother stays alive and that's about it like there's nothing more to it than that but she like i said she just makes a great voltage of just being the person that opens his eyes to everything there uh which kind of i guess is a good uh way to segue into Kenji, not Kenji, Taka, her brother. Uh, yeah. So Taka is like Yuna's little brother, and he is your swordsmith or your blacksmith. He's the one that, uh, I guess, not necessarily your swordsmith, considering like yeah. there's a swordsmith you go to, but he is the blacksmith that gets you your grappling hook, which is freaking awesome. And he. How best to describe him, James? He is like a. He has great talent in creation, but he is no warrior. He's like... Yeah, he came off as naive a lot. And not like that's... Not to be mean or anything, but he... And it it ended up being his downfall. Because he wanted so badly to be a hero like Jin. Because Jin was his hero. He saved him from the Mongols when he was basically enslaved to, uh, I guess, work their forges or whatever yeah and so he tried so hard to be like Jin, and it got him killed by kotal khan and you know it's that was so heartbreaking when Jin was like you know your brother was brave till the very end i think it's kodan khan not kotal khan i think that's the mortal combat character oh you're right i might be wrong <laughs> okay <laughs> oh, i was well. like wait a minute <laughs> but yeah no i get that it's but like, yeah it, so he was a very likable character, but it's just, it's sad thinking about him because he just wanted to be a good person. He just wanted to be a hero like the people that inspired him. 
like his brother or or like his sister and like Jin, but he just it wasn't really in his um ability. Like he was a great blacksmith, but not 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 a warrior, like you said. Yeah, and he, I guess for me, I look at him as like he loves Batman so much. He tried to be his own hero, and it's just like. It was the actual leave it to the professionals kid and he didn't and it just got him killed. But at the same time, he was just trying yeah. to save Jin. And yeah, it became his undoing. But otherwise, like he helped inspire like the people of Yarikawa when Jin goes there. Yeah. And he's from there as well. So he's like a one of the he's basically Yarikawa and he does battle there. And. I guess that's kind of where it happens because once Jin is like, hey, it's the people that did this, you start to see Taka act differently because he's like, we did do this. We can do this. We can do more of this. And then you see what happens after and you're like, oh, oh, damn. But before that, you know, you kind of it's fun to see his progression because you see him grow because he's just this kind of cowardly dude who is afraid of everything and apologizes. And it's just like, I'm sorry, I can't I can't do what you and Yuna do. I just like can blacksmith and then hope no one kills me when i do it and that's about it yeah so he was yeah it was it's sad to see like someone that grows and you watch them flourish and then just get got pretty much like uh yeah i guess he was like kind of like your cl- the closest thing you got to your own little pupil if anything but oh uh, for sure yeah yeah uh n- next up though is their uncle kenji who is i don't think actually their uncle Oh uh, yeah, I was about to say like, wait, what? When did when did they say he was an uncle? I could have oh, sworn that they said he was yeah, but yeah, Kenji yeah. is our uh, the one, the only sake dealer. He's who... probably my favorite side character, just because he was so funny. Like he kept getting you to take out either not necessarily his competition, but like like the Mongols would be uh, holding on to confiscated like barrels of sake, and he's just like, well, why don't you go take out the Mongols? And I'll just take the sake. People, yeah, it's like you want it. You need to. T- you need to kill the Mongols. This is your mission, right? Well, you know, what if I, you know, got something out of it? And it's like, Kenji, did you lure me here just so you could get a sake? And he's like, Oh, you know, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. And That's oh, it's hilarious. His voice in Japanese. It's so fantastic. You're just like, it's the most conniving voice and you're just like, oh my mm. god, Kenji. You just, like, it, you can hear the, like, innocence of, like, who? Me? <laughs> it's yeah. so good. And it's only, like, I think there's only three missions with Kenji. But each mission is just fantastic. And you do also see Kenji grow, I will say. Because the whole time, yeah. in the beginning, like, you're sneaking around with Kenji. He's the one that, like, smuggles you a few times. And he yeah. tricks you to do favors, but eventually, like, he's like, hey, this will really help the people, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, sh- shit, Kenji, all right. And yeah. that's the best part. Like, the people inspire you, and you inspire the people. Like, you yeah. watch growth change mutually. Yeah, I like seeing him go from just selfish, like, merchant to, you know, actually trying to look out for ways that he could help the people with his merchant abilities. Yeah. yeah. I also like that he'd just be out of nowhere. Like, his missions would be in a random spot where he's like, hey, hey, come over here. Hey, yeah. hey, check this out. And you're just like, what the fuck are you doing here, Kenji? What are you What are you up to this time, huh? And you're just like, all right, fine. I can't stay mad at you. All right, who am I killing for you? Fine, it's, it's okay. But, yeah, no, Kenji, 
Kenji's Kenji is a keeper, James. Everyone needs their own Kenji, personally. And then they can get angry at him and then be like, oh, Kenji, I can't stay mad at you. And then everyone's like, who else but Kenji? Uh, it's a new show coming exclusively to PlayStation Network. I, I just made that up, but that'd be hilarious. Wouldn't it be great? It ends with like a freeze frame and the audience laughed and laughing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, good times. Uh, but, you know, Kenji and, Kenji and Jin are great friends. But, James, you know who's not a great friend? Ryuzo. Yeah. Fucking. I... I really liked that character. They had such a good beginning because you're like, oh, it's the straw hat Ronin and it's all the Ronin. And you're just like, oh, shit, well, the Ronin. Yeah, he's a Ronin. He's like an old friend of Jin or whatever. Like they used to train with each other. They fight back Jin... to back. <laughs> yeah. It, before Jin became like an actual samurai. And he, I guess, I, I don't really guess I, I guess I don't understand how someone is like tra- how he could have trained with uh Jin, but not become a uh, as actual samurai he became just a, a ronin because but... he didn't have his own place i guess like it was the whole thing is like he had to be accepted into a house and i guess he just wasn't and uh... it's also because Jin won the tournament and because oh, of that and he's yeah. like Jin, you took that tournament that tournament was all i had whereas like if you lost you're still lord Jin sakai like yeah. you still have your family name and everything else, but this was my only chance, and you took that from me. Yeah. So I liked that he starts off, and he seems like a sympathetic friend, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'll totally help you. I'll get the uh, the straw hat Ronin to help you." And then you go to assault uh, the Khan, and Ryuzo's there, and he tries to stop you because he threw his lot in with the Khan and the the Mongols because he was just like. I'm looking out for my dudes. We're starving. And the con was like, I'll give you food. Yeah. So it's like, you can understand why he does that. But at the same time, you're just like, Oh no, but I, I don't want to see old friends fight. And even that later on when, uh, Ryuzo sees the cruelty that con- the con can do, like when he's literally just like burning people alive to get through like a, a palace gate or whatever it was like when you go to lord um i forget when it was but like he he burns someone like outside of a palace gate and he's just like yeah because there's there's two castles there's lord shimura's castle and then there's like the uh it's like clan shimura castle and then there's like the tsushima castle where it's yeah. like the main castle of tsushima which i forget which one is which i think the one they take back is shimura's household castle but i i could be wrong there's like he, he has two castles the, the yeah the lucky so bastard like, so, so ryuzo sees that cruelty and he has that moment of like oh my god did i choose the wrong side holy shit this guy's a monster and so you see he has regrets and he he doesn't really want to fight against Jin. he wants to see tsushima save but he just thought that the best way would be to just like bow to the con yeah so he's kind of a tragic character but i i liked him as not exactly a villain but like kind of a rival to Jin. yeah no that, that makes sense and like going through the ronin missions in the first act specifically like because after that you're just killing all the ronin mm-hmm. but Dude, those duels are so cool. Dude, the Ronin, like, once you start fighting the Ronin, you're just like, oh, shit, these guys are actually pretty tough. Like, it's a new, because it's the whole, besides bandits, like, they're the only, they're the most noble Japanese characters you fight. And you kind of think, because 
uh, I guess like Akira Kurosawa films, like you always think the highest of Ronin and they always seem like the cool characters. They're like that Western gunslinger. Whereas like the samurai, I feel like the, the noble good guy, the, the Ronin are more like the gray guy, the gray cowboys that are like, you know, the whole, like there had the similarities between them and stuff like that. And with Reizo, like you going through and you help him, you help them trying to get food and things like that. And you go through all these missions with them. And you're thinking like, hey, I'm building things with them. And, you know, you get that mission where you free some of the captive ones. And they're like, oh, they actually like fed us and all this stuff. And it's like a weird thing where you see how Koten Khan plans, plants the seeds where he's like, I'll make some of them happy, even though they're prisoners. Uh, they're going to go back and tell their leader how gracious I am. And they do. Mm-hmm. And you get you understand why it's like not completely out of nowhere, even though you're just like, what the fuck? But when you finally see Reuzo, and yeah, he does the whole thing of like, maybe we can make a deal and stuff. He's just very naive in that sense. But also, it's like that whole thing of, he's like Yuna, where Yuna will do whatever she can for her brother. Mm -hmm. He'll do whatever he can for his Ronin. And even if it means like doing what's bad for Tsushima is good for his people, then he'll do it. And then you see the culmination of that. And especially too, when you were talking about the fires... Uh, when they're lighting people on fire, and he makes Ryuzo do it himself, mm-hmm. and you see Ryuzo crying when you and you do get the compassion of like he made a mistake, but you also see that even as Ronin, where he's betrayed one ideal, what kind of man is he if he's already betrayed once and he if he does it again, what the hell will he be even further more after that? And yeah. it's like he's already gone too far. There's no going back. So he's like, what the hell would I go back to? At least here I have a chance, but it's not like it's very like depressing and I guess it's he was not like, the right path. I, but I guess he was like, I made my my decision. I have to stick with it no matter what. Yeah, especially just because like what what happens when he goes back? Are they gonna be like, oh, it's all good? You like you can come back and stuff? They're gonna be like, oh, you're gonna fucking die? Yeah, no, like knowing Lord Shimura, he'd probably execute them all just because yeah. they worked with the con even if they helped later they he'd still be like well but you still betrayed your own people like by shimmer's own code if you saw someone giving rice to a mongol a mongol soldier he'd probably kill them mm-hmm. like even though he's that much for his people he'll kill them just as easily he's very he's not they're not benevolent whatsoever or like at least uh put that person in jail yeah you know punish them somehow for like helping the enemy so i would say like Besides Taka dying and understanding what happens with Shimura, it, it does feel more tragic too with Reizo just because you hate but also like him because you understand everything too. And you also see the difference with him. Whereas like if I remember correctly, he wears the hat a lot in the first act when he's good mm-hmm. and they make they remove his straw hat when he becomes a villain. Like kind of there's like a symbolic that, difference they, there. They did do that. Yeah. Yeah. So like... uh and you also see just like, I don't know, he looks darker, his com- like not necessarily his complexion, but like his eyes just look darker uh, when you really see him through that lens uh, from Act 2. Because uh, if I remember correctly, he dies at the end of Act 2. Like he's like that final boss. And then that's where yeah, all the shit changes I, and the snow. Right. and mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, no, Raizu, a tragic character indeed and... Uh, you do feel, I guess, I feel bad more for him than with Lord Shimura at the same time. It's it's very hard. They both, they all, 
all these characters are tragic because they have something they're trying to grasp to and it's just hard because it's like you make one mistake and you're just kind of fucked but uh with that said i just want to go over the three side characters you kind of work with a lot which is masako uh sensei ishikawa or masako adachi uh sensei ishikawa and norio the monk and uh you know masako james i think out of the three she was probably the most interesting yeah for sure probably mine too just like her side story was so interesting. I did. Did we already say we were going to talk about the side quests later? Uh, we can't. Well, I mean, we could we could briefly go over it. I think we were going to talk about it probably in the story portion, but we could talk about it here uh, okay. too. Whatever. I mean, it doesn't well, really just, matter. It's just for me. What the most interesting thing about her was her side quest. Like it was just so, like you know, twists. Like there were like twists and turns all over the place. And like when you find out like who was behind her whole family being slaughtered during the uh, mongol invasion not just the people of her uh, of her clan that went to the beach to fight like literally everyone is gone except for her and i guess spoilers you find out that it's her own sister who was like it got into a sitcom yeah like so her sister was like married off to like a, a drunk dude like years and years ago and she like never forgave lady masako for it and so she was just like, oh, this is my chance. I can get my revenge on my own sister by murdering her entire family. And just like the it was so interesting watching Lady Masako just go full on Punisher mode, just hunting down any lead to like who killed my family? Why would this even happen? And like she is just overcome with like grief and rage and she's like i can't sleep i can't eat the only thing that i have is my like vengeance quest and i just i thought she was very interesting very fun to watch oh no yeah she out of the three side characters she was by far the best one like she made you actually want to do the missions too just because you're like it literally was detective story where you're just like Mm -hmm. who who is the murderer who did all this and it was so much so that it's like uh, it's the guy that works for a guy that works for a guy that works for a guy that works for your sister and going through all the lines, finding the clues and some dudes get killed off and you're like, who did this and who's the lead and who's innocent and who's not like that one priest that like was just, you know, doing stuff, being a priest and she almost kills him too. And he's like, don't, don't, yeah. don't kill this fucking guy. And you're like, I remember because uh, they showed a demo of that at E3 one year and i didn't understand what the hell is going on there and then i finally we get to that point and i'm like oh i understand all yeah. of this now okay but i really enjoyed jin with her interaction because he's the one always kind of like having to help her and uh he's the one that kind of helps her not necessarily overcome her grief but keeps her from going too far where mm-hmm. she'll truly regret it so he's like her he becomes her conscience in a way in terms of like right and wrong uh, and how far you should really go. And I really like the relationship they had from that, especially too. Cause she's like, she, her son's armor is the first samurai armor you really get. Mm-hmm. And her son's I armor, I, I used that for so long. I was just like, this is fantastic. And instead of thinking being like Jin Sakai until I got the Sakai armor, like it was just that I was just like, yo, I, I fight for the Adachi clan night and day baby 24 7 let's go that blue armor fucking dope i loved it so she was i love when you upgraded it has like a giant moon on it 
Oh, it's so good. It's so freaking good. Yeah. All right. She she really she she made me want to fight, man. She she did a great job. And uh I I want more from that specific character. Like of all the side characters, like I said, I would do more missions with her easily. Uh next up though was Lord not Lord, uh Sensei Ishikawa, uh the archer master who was uh pretty much he is a samurai, but he's like an archer samurai. Yeah, he like his specialty is uh archery. Yeah. And his whole thing is actually the Dark Apprentice. And I yeah. thought that was really cool. Like he, he taught he he got a pupil and he taught her how like his method for shooting and stuff like that. And she turned out to be like a psychopath. Well she, she she was always troubled in the beginning. She was like he basically created it was his Jason Todd. You literally <laughs> It's Jason Todd. <laughs> yeah. So basically she goes off and joins the Mongols and he's like, oh my God, she's using my techniques to kill like Tsushima or people from Tsushima. Tsushima ins? I wouldn't. I well, guess I, 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 guess, I don't think she, well, she trains. She start. she uses her techniques to start and, training and her own Mongolian archers. And that's the other thing that bothers him is that not only is she using it on their own people, she's teaching the Mongols to use it on their own people. So she's teaching the the uh, Mongols to be even better archers, and so basically, uh, Lord, sorry, Sensei Ishikawa, just he sees it as his own personal responsibility to put a stop to that because he's he's basically like they're using my techniques, so I'm responsible for stopping that. Yeah, and, and it's this is another thing where him and Jin. It's funny too because with them, uh, you see Jin reacting with them and being more once again like kind of conscience with him specifically yeah. too he's very much a a much more rigid character than yeah. some of the others you're kind of like oh i see why she became this like it's like yeah. it's kind of your fault bro and you see yeah, like, like yeah she's trying to kill me because i tried to kill her and like what <laughs> hold on why <laughs> and, yeah and it, it really becomes interesting especially too because I think why Masako's was more interesting because she had the character and the missions, whereas Ishikawa was more so like it's he's a cool character, but he isn't one I like as much because of how yeah. he is and what kind of person he is to the point where I was more interested in this dark apprentice. And I'm just like, I want to meet yeah. this person and all this stuff. And you finally do an act three. It like takes forever to really meet this character like you fight them once and they like jump off a cliff and you're just like where the fuck do they go and you like meet her and she disguises herself as like another person at yeah, first because you don't know what she looks like yeah and she's like yo you want to bang and you're just like no <laughs> it's just like what but yeah she was like she just wants a new life and ishikawa could have killed her and he doesn't uh, which was nice uh, i like that she got a second chance because honestly she like she honestly seemed pretty cool Mm-hmm. Yeah, compared I'd to like them because you come back if, if they do a sequel yeah because compared to like her and ishikawa it's like ishikawa you're just like oh this dude fucks up a lot whereas she is more of like she is like ryuzo but she's ryuzo where she i guess because she's more solo and she was always someone that was kind of alone which is why like she's the way she is she has more of a redemption arc that she does have but yeah. more so like you could still expand upon it if you ever wanted to later on i don't think she would come back because the way she leaves but um maybe yeah those two characters together were interesting especially when they interact with each other uh it was i, I guess interesting yeah ishikawa was just a bit 
off-putting because there were so many times where Jin would like question him and he's just like, don't question me. I'm the sensei here. I'm the master. Yeah. and it's, Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. And, yeah, and then it's just like, you find out everything that he, that went down with Tomoe and he's just like, or Jin's just like, what the fuck? You're just as big, as big of an idiot as everyone else. Why the fuck was I like, who are you to the you? sensei? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. And his missions too, like they weren't as interesting in Moscow as necessarily. Like I think, uh, once you get closer to actually getting Tomo revealed, it becomes a lot more interesting. But before that, it's like kind of look out, it's archers. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh shit! <laughs> and it's just you try to kill all these archers nonstop. But it really did get me to love the archery in the game too, because I honestly, it's like, uh, well, we'll get into the combat eventually. But like, yeah, the archery is just freaking awesome in the yeah. game. Cool. All right, but the last side character you really interact with is Norio, who is a warrior monk and i liked him a lot yeah he he is interesting especially because of his brother where he's like you know he's got this full norio is it's like each person has a different foil where masako and ishikawa are more dark when you start out with them and it's your job to pretty much lighten them up a bit whereas norio is the complete opposite he's like an extremely positive character for most of his story and then you find out that his brother was like basically tortured to death and he's just like what's the point of everything why why go on like i i failed i lost everything yeah because he he really like you you start off and he's like the whole thing you know like they're captured and shit and you think his brother's dead like the whole time you're Mm -hmm. thinking like they're all dead anyway it doesn't really matter and you're just helping norio take back the the temple yeah uh what was it called it was cedar the cedar temple right Mm -hmm. yeah and you're just helping him save the monks and stuff and they have their own culture and way they live so it also kind of fucks you over too so you're like well i guess we have to stay here and help defend him and all this other shit (laughs) it's uh a lot of protecting like his stuff is a lot of protecting in terms of all their missions together but yeah once dude his what is brother you find his brother and it's just like, oh, they cut off his limbs. And the whole thing with this dude is like, oh, this is the best guy. This is their best warrior. This is yeah. their strongest character or like what their strongest. Like uh, the guardian of the temple. Yeah. He was like, the, he was like, they actually called him the guardian. And he's like, he looks up to him and stuff like that. It's like, imagine Robin finding Batman without his limbs. And you're like, oh, yeah. oh, oh, shit. It's, it's like very unsettling. And especially when you find him, it's unsettling to the point where, like, he succumbs to his wounds and he survived just so he could see his brother and then he just dies. Yeah. It was like that, um, I don't know, how would you call it, James? It's like when Anakin's mom's Shmi stays tragic. alive. Not tragic, but, like, they have the will to somehow maintain life. They just held on for just long enough. Yeah, just so they could see this one person and it gives them that peace that they wanted and then they're, they their strength basically leaves them because... They've lost the will because they got what they needed, at least. Like, they got yeah. that, like, happy sense or something. But, yeah, after that dude, Norio, I love when you find the monks and they're like, he's going crazy, he's killing everyone. Yeah. And you're like, well, what the fuck? And Norio's just like, just, the way he's doing it is just, comp- it's like, you know, Jin will poison dudes. Dude, he all lost shit. his fucking mind. Yeah, he, like, just starts brutalizing dudes. It's insanity. And you know, at first, I honestly thought we were going to have to kill him or something. I was like, oh, shit, we don't fucking put this dude down or what? Yeah. But uh, luckily we don't. But it was like it was a close call, man. Close, 
recall. He was like, I wouldn't say he's the deepest character, but it was just interesting watching a completely different side because yeah. each it feels like See, each character is a different lesson that they give you. I liked seeing that Norio is basically a completely selfless person. Like he looked up to his brother so much that, you know, his brother was, de- he dedicated his life to protecting the other monks so they could leave a peace, uh, lead a peaceful life. And he was like, I want to be like my brother. I want to protect people so people can live like a good, peaceful life. And it, I liked seeing that he was so selfless and then to see that tested and he's still like kind of after his initial like rage moment, he kind of calms down and is just like, no, I need to honor the memory of my brother and I need to be like the new guardian. Yeah. And it's, it's funny cause him and Ken, him and Taka kind of, they both look up to Jin. Like they mm-hmm. both perceive Jin as a big brother. And with Taka, it's more inspired by his selflessness and his ability to give others hope to fight. Whereas Norio takes all of the negative aspects and all the more of the dark portions of the ghost. And that's what also kind of drives him to a corruptible state or a corrupted state. And which is really interesting. Cause honestly he talks about it himself. He's like, but the way you do it, like this is, I learned yeah. it from you. And you're just like, Oh geez, that's not what I meant, bro. Like, you know? Yeah. So it was, it was something which brings us to the final character that we there's not much too much to say, but Koten Khan, which I honestly thought was a, he was a great villain in the sense that he really, he says things very artistically. Yeah. His conversations with Lord Shimura were really interesting. Like one, I, I think it's interesting how good of a tactician he is. Like his main tactic seems to be like when he invades a new place he tries to befriend the people there because yeah. he's, he literally is like, I don't want to fight. I want, I would rather you just give up and become a part of my new kingdom. And then we're all good friends, but I'll fight you to the death if I need to. Yeah. And it's like, obviously his rules were probably under Mongolian rule. Things might be different, obviously, but mm-hmm. like for the most part, it's really the ideals. And it's like, obviously the samurai don't want to give up their shit to the Mongolians. Cause yeah. that's like, He's basically, he's like asking for cultural suicide from them. Yeah, pretty much. But the way he does it, like he, he feeds other troops to, and he gets the Ronin to, he literally turns the Ronin by being like generous to them and Mm -hmm. like being benevolent and stuff like that. Whereas like, uh, once you cross him, he fucking like (laughs) Lord Adachi. Masako's husband straight up just rides to him and goes, hey, man, I challenge you to combat to the death. And he goes, no way. And he just fucking throws alcohol on him and throws a torch on him, lights him on fucking fire. Yeah. And he's like, oh, we're so he, fucking nuts. <laughs> he's benevolent to win and he'll do anything to win. He's like, fuck it. You know, like, I, why would I do that? I don't give a fuck about honor. And he'll just light a dude on fire. He's like, why yeah. would you come down here alone? That was stupid. As you, like, that was stupid of you. And he's like, I'm not going to do some, all the samurai shit. I'm just going to, uh, I'm just going to do whatever I need to to win, whether it's like literally pummel you all with arrows or just overwhelm you with my sheer uh, army and stuff like that. And then once he yeah. learns Jin is using poison, he's just like, Oh shit, no way. Hey, we should do that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like so he kept Lord Shimura alive just so he could have killed him at any time and he could have just ruled over the rest of Tsushima probably. 
But he was like, no, you know, it would be a great idea if I want to continue to invade the rest of Japan. Maybe turn Tsushima into another fighting force for myself. So yeah. he, he gave Lord Shimura the option like, hey, I'll literally stop all the burnings of your villages. I'll stop the killing of your people. Just be my friend. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, he was very, as like a cousin of like Kublai Khan, he is a very smart tactician and mm-hmm. he was pretty much like he was sent there to win and he knew exactly how to win. He knew how to beat the samurai and he would have like this straight up. If Jin stayed a samurai and they just fought as samurai, the Mongolians would have defeated them without even too much trouble. Yeah. Like he knew exactly how to defeat the standard Japanese culture. He just didn't. uh, The one thing no one expected, whether it was the Japanese side or the Mongolian side was the changing of (laughs) a man turning into Batman and just fucking going like, I'll just just kill all of you. No one accepts Batman or expects Batman. (laughs) Yeah. No one expects Assassin's Creed Batman. (laughs) Like, honestly, go Jin Sakai is Assassin's Creed Batman. That's, that's literally what this man is. And it's fantastic. It's all of the best things. Like, this is why this game, I think, makes so much sense to me. It's because it takes everything I love and then just puts it into Feel Japan. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is amazing. But that said, those are the characters. And that was probably the longest portion that we'll talk about because that took a while. Yeah, we're already uh, almost at like the hour 30 we were going for no, like 20 minutes left all right so let's jump i don't think there's much to say with the story itself just because we've gone through no, the characters. Yeah, we already ta- uh, talked about a lot of it which just because it's hard to talk about the characters when we liked about them bes- without talking about the story beats that made us like them yeah uh but i'll just say at least for the story itself like you get a three x structure that i really liked i like the way they have the, the full act yeah. structure there and it allows you to kind of with each act the act not only symbolizes the main story and how each act unfolds. Cause like the first part is the samurai act really. And the second act is the, um, the conflict act where, you know, the act has you debating on what side you yeah. choose. Are you, like, are you a you samurai? St- are you with the ghost? And then it's also like, you see the same thing with Ryuzo and all that comes to fruition with like the way you perceive everything. Yeah, the, the first chapter is all about getting to Castle Shimura and saving your uncle. Yeah. Because he, he's basically the guy in charge of all the military in uh, Tsushima, at least. So, and also he's somehow like the only one that could send for help from the Shogun or whatever. So you go and you save him. And then at the the whole next chapter is you working with your uncle trying to get rid of what's left of the mongol uh, forces and that's when your uncle starts to see jin you know being something other than honorable now like he sees him uh or he he had heard from the khan uh that he was you know going around assassinating people and like slitting people's throats without their like them seeing him coming and stuff like that and he refused to believe it and like definitely like when you get to the uh castle shimura oh no later on like at the end of uh, the second chapter or something like that when you poison a bunch of people in front of him and he's just like holy shit jin this is like way too far we can't do this 
Yeah, like, like your uncle comes in like Mermaid Man. He's like evil, yeah. evil, evil. So that so that leads to Jin and um, Lord Shimura splitting ways, and like they're both fighting for Tsushima in the, their different ways. Like so, Lord Shimura is like, I'm gonna uh, launch another all-out offensive with the reinforcements from the Shogun. And we're basically going to just do the Battle of the Beach again, but at, like, the other castle in the north of uh, uh, Tsushima. And Jin's like, if you do that again, you're just going to lose again. So Jin is doing his own thing, trying to, like, secretly get to the Khan and kill him himself. And so it is interesting to see the the breakdown of his relationship with his uncle throughout the entire game from like trying to save him to saving him and his uncle going like, Whoa, you've changed. And then them just completely splitting and it coming to it like a head at the end with that, like duel to the death. Like I, it was just a really well uh, laid out game from start to finish. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that synopsis. Sorry. <laughs> uh does it it really does like even the side quests like you get three different arcs with the side quests of like learning through everything from masako and ishikawa and then norio is only in act two and three but you get his acts as well because like basically act act two is like good norio and then act three is like bad norio (laughs) I, i couldn't wait to do the next story missions for each one of my character or the side characters yeah, and it's when you're going through the world, because it's like pretty much go at your own pace, do the stuff. I was always like, which one do I go to next? Like, how should I do this? How do I proceed? Like, proceed, like, do I want to do these side quests first? Do I want to do the main quest next? And it was just like keeping up with everything and making sure. I think for me, because I always felt the main quest had so much um, so much impact on the story overall, obviously, yeah. that... I always then wanted to make sure I finished all the side quests that I could before the next mission. Same. Just because it always felt like there was something really important that I needed to do. And it, it would like, where, <clears throat> whereas uh, the side quest affected my relationship with a specific character, that character was always in the main quest though and they were still there and it was weird I, interacting with them when I didn't do something yet where it's like, oh, did you do this yet? And it's like, hey, they said you'd help them, but it's like, have you helped them yet though? Have you done that side quest? And you're like, yeah. oh, you're right. So all that kind of stuff. Uh, overall, honestly, the pacing I thought was fantastic and it didn't feel too overburdened. Like Ghost of Tsushima, honestly, is a game with like the, the structure just felt enough like they didn't make you yeah go it didn't feel short it didn't feel the way too long it just i was satisfied with it yeah i i was constantly entertained um and so much so that because of its setting and its realistic setting it all it did dudes throughout right like right after it just increased because like throughout quarantine i have already been like wanting to go and travel i had like a couple trips to like montana and disney world and shit but uh I, there was so much more Godzilla stuff going on uh, during the quarantine. And it just made me wanted to go more and more to Japan to see all the stuff I've always wanted to see with Godzilla there. And also, you know, like going to the parks there and all this other stuff, like all everything else there. But uh, now, because I played that game so freaking much, man, and they <laughs> even worked with their... Uh, they worked with the actual island's tourism 
website uh, yeah. i was like now i straight up dude i could you not if i can go to japan i'm going to sushima i'm just like i just need to i just need to go they got me they fucking got me <laughs> i'm fucking sold i need to go travel to japan for this too dude that game was just so beautiful it's I guess, so do, good do we want to segue into like the other yes, things now yeah. pretty much yeah because we like i said we the story that uh, we already tackled everything for the most part so yeah. um the world itself james uh you said you didn't play on uh yeah so i i turned on kurosawa mode for like a few minutes towards the beginning just to see what it was like and, it, and I, it's really neat i really really liked it but i just i couldn't bring myself to keep it on for the entire game just because it's so colorful and so beautiful i mean not only are the the individual environments on the different parts of the island just so very different. Like you go from forests to like there's burnt down villages. There like the, the northern part of the map is just all snowy mountains and stuff like that. Like the 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 golden golden ginkgo forest like around the um cedar temple. Yeah. It, it's so beautiful. Like I as cool as it is that you can make that movie look like an old Kurosawa movie, it was just so colorful and beautiful. And the HDR lighting on like my 4K TV was just so beautiful that I was just like, this this game is an artistic masterpiece. Just yeah. every every time I turned on photo mode just to like look at things, I was just like, God damn this game is beautiful i never do photos in games i never give a two shits about photo mode i took so many fucking photos Same. in this game <laughs> i i i usually never give a shit but it, it was so easy to make a good looking photo that because the game just looks good yeah that i was just like damn i actually do want to enjoy just how beautiful this is it was like i guess to say like as a game of art or in terms of like the, the way the world looks and the, the, everything it portrays, like, you know, a setting is always an important thing, but something that isn't always really represented properly. Like the, the really like a setting you always think about that's like, what's the best setting you think? Like Rapture from Bioshock. And mm -hmm. Rapture looks great. It looks really cool. I love the design yeah. and the architecture of it. But Dude, setting in, in level design can, ha can be a character of its own. And Rapture yeah. is definitely proof of that. But even with Rapture, then, like, you know, Rapture is supposed to look dystopian. It's supposed to look like, oh, Jesus Christ, what the fuck mm -hmm. happened here? Tsushima is, like, art in terms of, like, it's so beautiful, but also the world is so just crisp that the only time I've seen anything this beautiful, James, was never in a AAA title. It was only in two specific titles from that game company which is uh, flower and journey yep mm -hmm. this is the first time since then that i've really felt like i just had to because with flower you know you can't really stop with flower but basically as you go through it's just so sensational and you're just looking at everything and you're like it's just so beautiful and it's tranquil and it's yeah. uh, it's such a great stress reliever and with um journey it's just the beauty of the world itself and the way it feels you're just it, it's something that just uh, I guess you could say with like um, Bioshock just kind of increases your it's like oh everything's tense and shit but with Flower and Journey they um, they kind of relax you they they de-stress you they make you feel like I don't know they feel they make you feel good and with Ghost of Tsushima even with the, the combat and everything else when you're traveling 
when you see this world, it gives you this sense of peace that you don't normally get in a type of action game like this. Like a, yeah. a game like this is normally, you know, it's just straight up you go from one place to the other. If you go to play Tomb Raider, you're going to kill someone. You're not really paying attention to the environment too much. You're just like, I need to kill these dudes and solve puzzles and shit. And with Ghost of Tsushima, you're just like, I'm going to go ma- massacre an entire like squad of Mongols, but I'm going to stop here. Because it's Field of Flowers. It's fucking yeah. beautiful. And Dude, I'm going to go get into this hot spring. They got me from the very... Okay, not the very, very beginning of the game. But like the... I mean, they did. But the moment for me where the, I was just like, God damn, this game is beautiful. Was when you are... It's like after the in, uh, intro to the game. And you, I think it's like you leave Yuna for the first time to go off and do something else. And you are like riding on your horse. You go through that like, f- like you bust through the tree line, and you're in that field of white flowers. And the music just hits a crescendo, and that that's when the game, the title screen or the splash screen comes up that says like you know Ghost of Tsushima. And I was just like, the combination of the music and just how flawless the it's it uh, lined up with you breaking through the tree line and then just the huge splash of just like beautiful field of white flowers I was just like whoa I have not seen anything like this in a that I can think of in a while that that made me literally go whoa holy shit whoa 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 what are you yeah. doing yeah it's it, it just yeah like it's just beautiful everything about it's beautiful especially James you get to you get to, you get to follow and you get to pet foxes. Yeah, and that's another thing I wanted to say about, like, maybe not necessarily uh, character of the setting. But a little bit, kind of, because well, I loved how when you're just going around, there are so many environmental cues to cue you in on, like, there's something near you. Like, you'll be riding around and, like, a little yellow bird will uh, fly overhead. And if you follow that bird, it'll lead you to some place that you haven't been to before. Yeah, and there's even a little um, dialogue moment later on, and I, f- I forget who it was with, but Jin says like, "Oh yeah, my mom used to tell me about those uh, yellow birds. They, she said they were the spirit of Tsushima itself, like, and that they knew the island better than the people do, and so that's why, like, if you chase those birds, they'll lead you to somewhere important because they know the island." And same with the fox dens. Like if you see a, a tree off in the distance and it's like there's a bunch of fireflies flying through it, you know that that's a fox den. So I just thought it was so clever how they lead you through the map without having just like, I don't know, waypoint markers and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It They really take the kind of artificial stuff that makes you feel like you're just playing a game to make it just a much more real world whether it is yeah using the wind as your compass Mm -hmm. or seeing smoke as a hey this is a new quest instead of like seeing a symbol or something it's like i forgot about that yeah Yeah. if you if you see a column of smoke off in the distance you know that's an enemy encampment and you're like, oh, I, I there must be a camp in that in that distance or in that direction that I haven't done yet. Or there could be a mystery mission, like a just like yeah. a random uh, all the all the one off stories too. That's like something that we don't necessarily need to talk about, but they there are a lot of just like cool one shot stories. And the way they always intro a new mission or a new story was so awesome because it's like it felt like a movie chapter or something. Like it felt yeah. like a movie episode, an episode of a TV show. 
Dude, it's like, like this is what this episode is about. Whenever you come across the musician who tells you like a tale that leads you to a new technique or something like that, like you'll just be, at least whenever it came to me, I would just be riding my horse on the way to somewhere and then I would hear music and I'd go find the guy and, and he's got like a little crowd and he's like, oh, would you like to listen to my tale? Was, yeah. I really liked it. I, I always loved going through those missions and especially because when you get to the boss fight of each one and you're either getting like a an awesome sword or uh, a technique or something like that. It's just like a specific thing. Uh, when you get to it, it's, it feels like a legend because you're like, oh, it's the lightning master. It's yeah. the man that fights in the flat. It's like, oh my God, it's so... It makes it builds up so much of like you are fighting a legend or you are achieving something of legend and, and it does feel good. <laughs> and you probably focused on this more than I did, but like I just really enjoyed the sound effects in the game and just general sound design dude when your sword is clanging against other enemy swords and just the the way it makes different noises when it like glances off a sword or when you're hitting a shield or a spear like it's dude that that game just sounds so good oh it was amazing it was the second best sounding game of this year and it's just like it's so hard to freaking beat naughty dog in their last like that yeah. shit's just insane but like, they make it so no matter what you're doing, even if you're doing nothing, the world is alive, and you can hear that world the entire time, whether it's the wind blowing, whether it is literally the movement of grass and, like, the fields you're in and things like that. Like, they make everything sound so amazing, and yes, they're so... Oh, my God, the sound of the swords is just so good. Plus, like, um, hearing the arrows fly through and just hearing... Mm -hmm. You don't really get to hear an arrow when it's loosed, it just sounds so threatening because it's also a great sound cue because it warns you. It's like warning you like, hey, this dude's fucking firing an arrow. You better watch out, like yeah. roll or block it or something. But um, it does make it because usually, I don't know, it feels like in a lot of games, the archers are normally like arrows are like the secondary thing. They don't feel that threatening compared to yeah, everything they're, else. They're just an annoyance. Yeah. Whereas this one, you're just like, oh, Jesus Christ, don't let them shoot me. Oh, yeah. Dude, it, like in, in Legends mode, like they the archers will fuck you up if you don't if you don't pay attention. So bad. Yeah, which we'll be talking about very shortly. Yeah. And yeah, no, the world itself art fantastic. Like we said, the world is alive. They do the they, it did feel innovative in terms of like really using all the things you'd normally utilize like in a UI and things like that for kind of direction and things. Uh, but to be the natural world itself. And it just made it that much more immersive where it doesn't pull you out. Like it just puts you that much deeper into the world, which is yeah. why I think it's just such a contender. It's like, it just, God, if Last of Us 2 didn't come out this year, this is the game. This is the fucking game. Oh, absolutely. Game. Yeah. That's, that's the weirdest thing. I keep looking at those game of the year lists and I'm just like, oh man, I really liked both of these. It's so hard to choose which one I liked better because I liked them both for very different reasons. <laughs> one, it's like it's like this did everything. It made me want. It it's making me want to travel to a freaking country. And the yeah. last of us is like, bitch, we made you cry three times. And I'm like, stop yeah. it, don't do this to me. <laughs> and uh, like, uh, yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much that. And then the last thing we want to talk about mainly is the combat gyms. So I think this is where you're gonna get us to be the most negative but also yeah. incredibly enjoyed, which I, I do want to say, I played it on Lethal. Like, I started oh. off playing it on Hard, and once Lethal came out, right when it came out, which I was still in the first act, I switched immediately to Lethal. And holy shit, James. I platinum the shit out of that game on Lethal, and I was like, this was so Damn. fucking insane. And it, was, it felt good because 
when you're playing and you're using like the full sword combat is amazing but when you're playing on lethal everything is literally lethal like it, it feels so insane because you're dueling all these soldiers and you feel like a fucking hero like you feel like literally assassin's creed batman because Isn't that mode basically like you die in like one or two hits but so does everyone else yes it's like mm-hmm. you die in like two hits and shit it's it's crazy so it feels insane when you take down like five mongolians because you're like dude imagine that one dude literally ran up and killed five guys by himself it's like the most realistic it i mean it's not like insanely realistic but like it, it felt like you're it's like yo this dude's a fucking big deal like you see what he dudes is killed like you yeah. you've, you become like a living legend that will be told throughout time on your island because of like the feats you've done and shit and uh utilizing that with lethal it just it made it insane but like i said the, the sword combat itself was amazing i really really loved the way the combat works between like when you're fighting all the enemies and the way you uh everything from blocking to your different styles of sword uh sword play because you have like different stances that you learn throughout time and there's like stone water so that Um, was the only thing that was a problem for me was it took me a while to get used to switching between things on the fly but switching between your like different weight ranged weapons and then switching between your different sword stances and doing it quickly while in the the, crowd of people took a while for me to get used to but once you do and they give you plenty of time to get used to it too like you do feel like an absolute badass just switching between like the stance that you use to take out a care of shield dudes and then switching to the one to take care of brutes and there's like there's one for different enemy types one for like swords one for spears yeah um so, one mongolian cat is trying to get james right now i could hear your cat scratching at the yeah point. it was my my cat's trying to get <laughs> it's, it's probably loki hilarious he does that but yeah so like besides it be taking a while to get a feel of you do have a lot of versatility in how to deal with things and it does make you feel like an absolute badass towards the end yeah and like i said the combat itself is amazing but there were a couple issues i had so uh first off no lock on yeah so the lock on that's the main one everyone had troubles with i think everyone if you ever listen to anything or read reviews everyone's complaint is there's no lock on so you could be fighting some dude and all of a sudden your sword just trails off and you're like fucking batting it like the air and you're like what the fuck's happening (laughs) you're trying to control it but it's just like it's like it could honestly be the death of you and you're just like getting pissed off at that shit and i guess having the option for a lock i forget what their explanation was why they didn't but i mean like i was able to i will say the only thing it did was i had to really really get good at like not need like obviously not ever relying on the lock on because i'm playing this game on the fucking hardest difficulty and i still did it and it was just like it was that much more a feat because there was no lock on but still i was just like fucking attacking air and the dudes attacking me from the back because i kept turning away i don't understand why this yeah. is happening if i were to hazard a guess it would be they, they didn't want you to have a lock on because they wanted you to be able to freely like flow between enemy to enemy like if someone yeah. comes at you from behind you can quickly like block and then you know, counterattack and finish that guy off and then move on to someone else. But it is really frustrating when you're trying to take out like the one big guy first or whatever, or take out the archers and there's like a couple other guys around him. Like it gets a little frustrating. Yeah. I I definitely see that complaint and I definitely had that like feeling throughout the game as well. The other thing that uh, annoyed the shit out of me was more so when you were downed. 
and let's say, you know, you can use your, uh, I forget what you call it, but like the yellow bars or the yellow balls, you could use them oh, to yeah, rejuvenate your stuff. Your result, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you didn't, I, I didn't get the perk to revive myself yet for a while. So when you'd get downed, yeah, I you were just kind of stuck there, especially if you're in a duel. So if you're in a duel, my very first duel with Ryuza, which I was doing on the hardest difficulty, and whenever he downed me and I'd be waiting, like, you know, I want to get back into it and get to the, because, like, I'm, I don't want to wait. I want to get back to fighting him again. Instead, it makes me wait, and it's just him kind of walking around, walking yeah. around, walking around, and just like, what the actual fuck is this? Like, Yeah, what? that did annoy <laughs> the shit out of me. I, w- before I got that upgrade, I was just like, why do they do this this is like extremely punishing like why do they literally just make me sit here and wait for me to die and then and then i got that upgrade and i was like oh that's still not good. okay <laughs> yeah i still i, I still don't think that was good um no, i think I don't they should have at least adjusted it and there was no form of adjustment that you would have had going through it instead they just made well they'll get it eventually and it's just like well that still sucks before yeah. you get it then so you punish them for not having it beforehand which kind of does suck um, but I would say, honestly, those were probably the most negative parts and what makes it because it happens so frequently, especially if you're playing it on the harder difficulty, yeah, you see it more often. So because it keeps like taking you out of it and it just, it really does. It takes you out of the experience. Um, if, especially if it is a hard boss fight, uh, then it really does take it away. Cause also then it's like, do you want to continue? Do you want to like abandon the game? If you die 20 times and I'm just like, stop asking me that. Is there an option to take that option off? Cause I don't want to see it. I'm not going to like deal with that shit. And those are probably the more negative aspects of the game. Um, I don't know if it's worthy enough to be like, oh, I'd like take it down a whole grade or something, but no, it was like a minor inconvenience, I guess. Yeah. It was, like you eventually get used to there not being a lock on, but there even once you get used to it there's still just the occasional time that it'll still fuck you over yeah it's excusable for like a first uh a first shot at this i would i would definitely say if they ever made a sequel they have to fix those things and if they didn't then i'd be like okay you guys didn't learn for some reason and that's the thing like i i often while playing ghost of tsushima was just like this is the same developer that did infamous like Not for, like, a bad reason, just because, like, they're completely different game styles. Yeah. And stories. I mean, there's, I guess you could say, like, both are sort of, like, superhero-ish, but Jin's not really a superhero. Anyway, it, it's just, He's like, Batman. I guess, yeah, you could say that. But, yeah, like, it, it is very, not exactly surprising, but... Um, it, it's cool to see that Sucker Punch is so versatile. Vers- versatile, like they yes. they can make very very different games. Which apparently they still were good. they were like deciding they had all these different pitches. There was like a Scottish one. There was like basically all these different uh, ethnicities or like I guess like locations they were choosing between. And this is the one that won out. But it was like, dude, it could have been one where you're just Scottish people fighting Brits. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> freedom, Scotland, <laughs> William Wallace, Mel Gibson. And all that fun stuff. Anyway, uh, yeah. The otherwise the combat was amazing. I love the archery. Archery was fantastic, especially because it gives you like these little lines, so you could decide depending on how far yeah, you're shooting. It was really easy to gauge how far you needed to like do. Um, I guess adjust for arrow drop. Yeah, and dude, headshots are so 
it's so satisfying when you kill a dude so quickly. Like it's it's just so good. I also like that they give you like two different bows. You got a long bow for sniping and a short bow for like mid range stuff. Yeah, especially if they're running towards you and you're just like, oh god. It yeah. was that part I didn't switch between too often. I think I at a certain point I was just like, well, this is how I play, and I, <laughs> and I just got used to it. I stopped switching things around, but yeah, that was it was good. Um, I guess the last thing now, James, uh, just to talk about is, well, like I said, though, solid combat. Honestly, like a few, a few kinks here and there, but otherwise, like, I loved fighting like a samurai. Oh, yeah. That shit was amazing. And even, like, like if we didn't even really touch on uh, the stealth combat, like, oh, I, yeah, shit, I, I love stealth games. And as it was somehow just as fun to go around sneaking around a base assassinating every single person as it was to just walk up to the front gate and just initiate a uh uh standoff yeah like i i don't like it's crazy that this game gave me like arkham origin or not like arkham origins like like the arkham game style like gadgets know, melee combat uh, fighting but then also like Assassin's Creed style assassination stealth game. Like I would not imagine that you could smash those two together effectively, but they did. Yeah, they really did it. So, like you're using everything from poison to um, which could do everything from just like make a dude sick to make them fight each other. Uh, you have like like literally like flashbangs practically like with the, yeah, with the dude, bombs. I, I love smoke. that it, eventually you get a blow dart that just literally makes people die vomiting up blood and it scares people literally away yeah like you can get like half of the uh the base that you're trying to attack to run away by just like poisoning a few people and they're just like oh shit people are fucking dying for no reason this place is cursed (laughs) yeah yeah and god it's so good like all the all the other gadgets you get. Like I said, dude, it's just straight up, it's fucking Assassin's Creed Batman. This is like, this is why this game works so well. It takes everything both of those franchises do and it puts it into one in feudal Japan. And you're just like, those crazy bastards did it. The crazy bastards actually did it. Yeah. You're just like, you're just like Jeff Goldblum watching a Brachiosaurus walk around and you're just like, damn. Uh, yeah. With that said though, ready to talk about the last thing, James? yeah dude all right like legends i did did not expect i I was not expecting a multiplayer mode for tsushima at all i was perfectly happy with the story mode as it was my one of my few issues not even an issue was just like i i thought the story was the perfect length but after it was done i had already done like pretty much all the story or the side missions and stuff so I had no reason to go around still doing the combat, just like fighting random people. Uh, so I was kind of like, oh man, I wish there was a reason to go back and play more of it, just to, just to play more of it. And they did put out New Game Plus and stuff, but I was not expecting them to do a multiplayer mode that, I'm not kidding, is basically like a mini version of Destiny. Yeah. I don't, I can't believe that they took... It's Samurai Destiny, bro. It's like, a th- it's like they literally took three of my favorite games and put them together. They took Assassin's Creed, ba- the Arkham games, and then Destiny and put them all together. And it's it's all good. Like, the the not only is there, like, a short story for, uh, you know, 
in introducing EO and like the why there is a raid and stuff like that, which by the way, there is also just like in Destiny, they even put in a raid. And from the videos I watched earlier, it's just as complicated in some segments, maybe not as complicated as Destiny, because Destiny, there are some raid encounters that are just like a lot of steps you got to keep in mind. It's these Seattle companies, man. But it definitely does require a lot of like teamwork and com- and communication and stuff like that. Yeah. So and in, in, in addition to that, there's also like a loot game like the, you get gear that has you know rpg style like bonuses to melee damage or resolve gain or range damage and stuff like that and you can really like min max a character and like inspect someone out to be exactly what you want them to be and i i love being healers in games when it lets me be a healer because it's just when you have a really effective healer on your uh, co-op team depending on the game you can be like unstoppable and this game lets me do that. I can make a straight up healer Ronin, and I love it. Also, I love it because you get your four class. It's like, yeah, you get your you are the Ronin, and you love being the Ronin because yeah, you got to do all you get the healer, and I think you get the you get the dog too, right? You do, you know, but like, it's you have to choose between either uh, like a full off a full on offensive guy where you can summon like spirit dogs to help you fight, or the healing stuff. And I just okay. think the healing thing is much more yeah. useful. It's like almost like having either like a ranger or a cleric of sorts. Yeah. And stuff if you like thought about it in like D D style sense. But like uh you get them and then you get your classic like assassin and uh samurai. So it's like more mm-hmm. so like the gin, like do you wanna be samurai gin or do you wanna be ghost gin? And you'd think like probably those are most likely the two most popular versions. But then you also have an archer. And they're like specialized more in archery and stuff like that. Like they're more ranged, which is what I actually chose the hunter. And of course, I always choose hunters. It doesn't matter if it's Destiny or this. I'm just always a hunter. And God, it's just so good. Because I, I loved archery and I figured... And it's funny too, because we take the more... We take the two that aren't, I guess, like the more mainstream ones. Yeah. Like they're the more set off. Even though I've heard from a lot of people that Ronin might be the most popular because of the healing abilities. Apparently. I've noticed a lot of Ronins. Well, uh, well I, I guess we didn't play too much of Survival. Yeah. Early, earlier, I, I heard I they're... Uh, they are, there's, they, if you don't have one in a raid, you're fucked. I could see that. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I don't know if we've ev- ever run into a samurai. We might not have. Yeah. It's ironic. Actually. A lot of people like the, seem to like the, um, assassin cause they have the ability to do like a vanish and smoke thing for the entire party. And that's like really helpful. Oh, dude, that was hella helpful when we played survival that one time, which yeah, I guess uh, to say like, you know, there's three modes to legends. You have their story mode, which is like 10 different story chapters or 10 different story missions. Each mission has three chapters within it. So you like, you have three areas you run through and then you go through these cool little gates that are like hell gates or something. And then, uh, You've got your survival, which is a either 15, 20, or 25 wave uh, form. And the reason this stuff is like Destiny is because, like, your story mode is like a strike almost. Like, yeah. story modes are like strikes. Mm-hmm. Survival is like um, your group activity, like your world activity, whether it's like Prison of Elders, Blind Well, um, what you call, I guess, uh, Altar of Sorrow and stuff like that, Escalation Protocol, like yeah. those types of activities. It's like the survival. wave-based ones, yeah. Yeah, fully wave-based, and you have to like, get through all these different waves, but also they're trying to take these areas you have to defend, and you have to keep switching between them. And the raid itself, obviously, like, a raid. And uh, like I said, we'll go through the raid 
uh, when we eventually get to that, just because we were honestly rushing through Legends, trying to yeah. get it ready to talk about here. But now that we've done this, we can play it more like, I mean, just obviously, for funsies, yeah. yeah, more for fun. So it won't be as stressful running through it because like when we die on like the harder difficulties, because you have like bronze, silver and gold. Yeah, there's a bit of a randomization uh, thing to it. So you can get really fucked if like s- certain things show up that just make it way way harder than other things yeah and do you want to deal with demon dogs or the tengu who are absolutely bullshit okay yeah yeah sucker punch if you ever listen to this um whoever invented the tengu i need you to tell the person they're a piece of shit why would you make a fucking tengu (laughs) it's a fucking why are the crows unblockable the fucking crows are so mean i don't i mean like actually if you invented the tengu like you're a legend it makes me feel like i must be missing something i'm afraid of you if you actually invented the tengu whoever on the (laughs) team invented the tengu like i'm just i don't like you you scare me you probably took my you could take my lunch money because you'd be like i'm gonna suck crows on you bro it's like this fucking tengu are actually so terrible i'll take the oni over them any day which the oni are like these awesome mass dudes with spears and they fuck around with you and just keep fucking slide to the left slide to do this cha-cha slide and keep fucking they're at least predictable <laughs> yeah but yeah Whereas... like, that's another thing speaking of like the demons and stuff so one of people's few nitpicky complaints of ghost of tsushima's campaign was that like they're they play it completely realistically the entire time like they're there's one mission where someone mentions a kappa or whatever and you're like what a water spirit and it turns out just to be like some random person murdering people by the river or whatever. I, for, I forget Classics. exactly what it was. Yeah, there was at least there. There's a couple of so, go- like basically supernatural or ghosty ones yeah, that turned but, out to be just real people. Yeah, it just it it always ends up being like just people or whatever. So there's no supernatural things in the main campaign. So it's like I, they were probably planning this the entire time. Just the amount of work that was put into Legends mode. It it feels like it would be impossible for them to have put it together just post launch uh but basically like they they saw that like oh a lot of people are gonna wish that there's that we talked about um japanese mythology and stuff like that why don't we just all put that in the multiplayer mode yeah and then it's it's really cool it's honestly dude because it came out in october like pretty much right before halloween this was like their spiritual to successor to um infamous two festival of blood oh yeah i could see that yeah, which honestly, that was in terms of kind of like standalone or like basically DLCs that are kind of like event expansions or something like that. I don't know how to describe them, but like Festival of Blood, now Legends. Sucker Punch might be on top. Like, I don't know who does better than they do on this shit now because it's like Frozen Wilds is awesome for Horizon and the city that never sleeps dlc for spider-man was kind of cool but for this just sucker punch just nails it every time they because uh, also they did um first light for second sun oh yeah like they they're pros at this like i don't think anyone does like kind of like the post game shit better than sucker punch honestly like they they own it easily for sure like yeah so i just feel if i were to sum up my feelings towards legends mode it's just that like sucker punch went above and beyond what what was needed or then asked for and they're just like let's just blow people's minds and give them something for free that is actually really fun and it, somehow it is one of the few things pulling me away from destiny right now 
I agree with that. Yeah. So like, um, and especially too, because now James, you know what this is doing for the first time ever. You're messaging me to play something. I know. Do you right? know how big of a deal, guys? For those that don't know, whenever James and I would play a game together, I would have to fucking drag this man into the game to get it to happen. If I didn't text him, if I didn't say anything, we would never play. Which is why we never play Destiny anymore together. <laughs> but this game has finally brought this man in where he's like hey let's play some ghosts and i'm like what the fuck is this guy <laughs> i've known this man for 29 years he never says this shit what are you talking about i'm always just worried about like i don't know people being busy and shit i don't know <laughs> man i've told you i have a first come first serve system whoever wants to play along with me first they just got a message me and then if someone else does it that night i'll be like hey i'm already playing with this person yeah fair enough yeah so Otherwise, yeah, the Legends is fantastic. They, it's everything's different. The enemies are different. The there's even different forms of like kind of puzzles because there's like different uh, auras around people, and you have to get like the matching aura, whether it's like moon, sun, or storm, and and stuff. Like it, it gets really intricate. Not to mention like the weapons give you different stances. So instead of switching between like water and cloud and things like that, it, it, the sword itself gives you that stance. So you have that single stance in whatever class you're using. That's another thing. I, I like that they did that where, so Jin can switch between all four sword stances, but the way the loot system works in legends, your swords can usually only do like one, or maybe if it's a, it's special, I could do two um, styles. So that makes it so that if you're having like a team of four people and you're really communicating with each other. Granted, it's, it's mostly just you and us and we're matchmaking for the other two. You could make sure that like each person has one of each style or whatever, or your team could have one of each style so that you could be like, Oh, I'll take out all the shield guys. You'll take out all the spear dudes. Other guy will take out like the brutes, like to make sure you're covered. And like, you don't need to do that to kill everyone, but it would, it makes things a lot easier. Yeah. And another cool thing about it, especially when you're playing with people is, like, for story, it's two people. So, James and I, like, we play in, uh, in the beginning, like, we had to communicate more so just because it'd be mm-hmm. like, all right, hey, let's sneak up on these guys and we'll take them out one, two, three and stuff. And it felt like we were just fucking playing through Chernobyl and Call of Duty 4, being like Captain Price and, <laughs> and stuff like that. But uh, eventually, we didn't even need to talk anymore. We just knew exactly. We, like, saw our positions and we just started executing shit. And we knew exactly how to work it until, you know, you get to gold and then you're just like, I don't want to die. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> It's so fucking hard. But when you're playing survival and you have two other people for us right now, we're just doing matchmaking. So it's just random people that we're not talking to. You're defending three different areas. And what I really like about it is it it goes off of the common sense strategy of, hey, we have four people defending the spot. Oh, the other two spots or another spot opens yeah. up. Someone automatically knows if someone goes to leave and you notice that person leave and stuff like James and I might still communicate it. But like you can tell like. Uh, if you don't, like, I learned I became that guy that anytime there's a new spot, I'll just run to it first uh, that way in case I don't... There is that distrust of, like, if I didn't go, would the other guy go? I don't know. He might not, and you just get screwed over. So um, it does leave it open and easy to work without communication and survival, even if it's, like, four people defending three areas. Whereas the raid, from what I've heard... You need to have full communication, just like in Destiny, just like any other. Raid. Oh, yeah. If you don't have that communication, you're fucked. So, um, for that, James, uh, for us to figure that out, honestly, when we get to the point for the raid, um, the Brandons from Apollo City, uh, I know they have Ghost of Tsushima, but they haven't been doing Legends, so they're kind of we can't use them. Mm. 
So what I propose is we actually utilize a community we don't normally utilize, which is the kind of funny community, um, which I'm on the Discord group. Ooh, we could do that. So, sure. which I'll say, like, we're, we're kind of funny fans, but um, I never really go to their social media stuff just because I don't want to have time for that shit. So I'm, like, not really on the Discord or Facebook that often. I, I like the memes and stuff, but that's about it. Um, so I might go and post there and see, because they, they honestly have, like, one of the best communities. So I'm sure we could find a couple people to help us out with the raid for... Uh, legends when uh, yeah. we get to that it'll I mean, also feel good that we're like being sherpaed or like taught how to work it as well do we know uh if the raid has multi or matchmaking because if we could i just heard it com- doesn't oh then yeah we're, we're gonna have to do that yeah I've, i mean it, honestly it's the best way anyway because i don't want to go with For randos sure. and then get killed without communication either yeah. but now we can go at our own pace and then i'm hoping guys sometime in january maybe that gives us enough time that we can level up and be ready to like, we'll tell you at the end of one of our episodes or something like how the raid is and just what it's like and whatnot. But James, that is pretty much everything for Ghost of Tsushima. Before we finish, I just want to ask you one thing. What is your favorite moment from the game? Favorite moment. Honestly, it's pro- it probably is that moment that I mentioned earlier where you are storming whatever castle it is with Lord Shimura. And Jin is like, hey, wait here. I'll get the door open. And you like poison a bunch of people and open the door. And Lord uh, Shimura sees these people like dying, vomiting out blood. And it's like horrifying. And he looks at his son or his son for like his basically nephew, yeah. <laughs> his nephew. And he's just like, you can't do this. This isn't the way we do things, Jin. And Jin's just like, you don't understand. The Mongols don't follow the rules. Like he's basically screaming at his, at his uncle. Like you weren't at the beach. You didn't see what I saw. Like the honor means nothing to them. So they don't deserve it. So, and it's just this kind of heartbreaking scene where like his uncle is seeing Jin in like a new light for the first time and Jin's trying to get him to understand and it's just, you know that the, he's not going to get through and they kind of like leave it at that for a bit and uh later on obviously they split but I just thought that, that was such a powerful scene that it it really stuck with me yeah for me James it was actually a little bit earlier but I think we're both pretty much act two guys for this um because yours was pretty much at the end of Act 2. Like, this is after he kills Ryuza and stuff. And everything's just like, <laughs> he kills literally everyone. There's no one left to kill. It's like, yeah. I did it. But for me, it was actually earlier. Uh, when he gets the loyalty of Yarikawa. Mm, that I was a really good scene. I loved the siege of Yarikawa. And the moment I loved was when he comes back from destroying the siege engines. And like he, I think he takes out the trebuchets or whatever they were. And uh, when he gets back, they're uh breach the city and they're inside oh and i love the the first moment you get ghost powers when you kill the command yeah when you first kill the commander that's and the music starts playing and it's like the most epic music and you're like drive them from the land kill them all and you're just like and everyone's just like literally shouting for yarikawa for yarikawa and it's just so epic that was the that's what i was like this this is a game I'm going to remember. That you know that was really moment. funny? That was actually one of my few complaints with the game was like, oh man, you know, you're slashing people with, with like a katana and like 
you're not really cutting off limbs. There's not much blood. It's not super realistic or whatever. And then like you get to that moment and you turn on like ghost mode or whatever for the first time and the screen turns blood red and every move you do on someone cuts off like a limb or just like blood gushes everywhere. And I was just like, oh, they just were saving those moments for when you literally like decapitate people and cut hands off. For, is this your leader? It, they literally wanted to make it special. And yeah. yeah, so like the first time that you straight up cut off that dude's head, I was like, oh, holy shit. Yeah, it's God, it was so amazing. But all right. Yeah. Uh, we're four minutes left. I got to finish before we get to two hours so I can actually do an audio preview for this because it only allows yeah. you to do a less than two hours. Oh, all right. Shit for real. So, yeah, actually. <laughs> so, guys, that is our Ghost of Tsushima special. I hope you liked it. Uh, but this is our first of our final five episodes of the year. Uh, if you'd like to write into the show, though, leave us any feedback, positive or negative, you can at Sutra Side Talk. You can also ask any questions and we can do our best to answer them on the show if you'd like. Uh, we'd always love any questions. Uh, but of course, you can follow the show on Twitter at Sutra Side Talk as well as Instagram at Sutra Side Talk. You could follow James on Twitter at InvaderJim124. You could follow me on Twitter at GoGoComzilla. And of course, we would love it if you could subscribe, follow, like, give a five-star review, whatever it is for that platform. And of course, if you can share it, either word of mouth or social media, or if you can do it, uh, retweet or add to your story or any of our posts on Instagram, uh, that kind of stuff is what would really help us out. And of course, uh, next week, uh, we'll be doing a pretty much full news episode. We have a lot, everything from the big bombshell that WB gave with the HBO Max. We've got Game yeah. Awards the winners of the game awards and whatever's revealed there. So it's going to be a very heavy news week because it's two weeks worth of news and it'll be jam packed. Uh, then our third week will be our destiny Two beyond light special. So we'll actually go full in on that and that'll be some fun stuff. Another destiny filled episode. Uh, the fourth week will be our final week of news. So that'll be another two weeks worth. Uh, but you know, at the end of the December, there's not much news at all, which is why we'll probably do that. And then the final episode, of the year will be our Mandalorian season two special because uh, that should be right after the last episode airs for the season. And we will be able to just go all in on that. So that'll be fun. So we got some fun stuff planned for finishing off 2020 with a bang. With that said though, I hope everyone has a great week. We'll catch you later. Thanks for listening.